0: Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president of Hannah Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City.
1: And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, a food and beverage writer and editor-in-chief at Hannah Lee Communications.
0: As a PR professional myself, and Michael as a journalist, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. So each week, we interview top journalists who share their insights and tips. In
1: this episode, we chat with John McCarthy, Publishing veteran of 25 years and a freelance writer specialized in spirits and cocktails. His work has appeared in Men's Health, Forbes, Gear Patrol, and other top outlets. He's the author of two books The Modern Gentleman, The Guide to the Best Drinks, Food, and Accessories, and The Upcoming Whiskey Rebels, The Dreamers, Visionaries, and Badasses, who are revolutionizing American whiskey. Also, stay tuned for our HLC Innovation Report at the end of this episode to find out who's moving hospitality forward. Hi, John. Welcome to the show.
0: So great to see you, John. How are you?
1: Great to see you guys.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: What? Well, first of all, let's set the record straight. So there are two writers named John McCarthy out there, and it's been Confusing a lot of publicists like me.
2: That is true. We take a lot of pride in confusing. Publicists. Yes,
0: I've noticed that.
2: That's right. We're definitely we're in cahoots.
0: So tell us which John
2: you are. <laughs> which John I am? I I like to think of me as the first John because I I I think I I think I was published first. <laughs> no. Uh, John McCarthy, the other John McCarthy, is is a uh, an amazing world class uh, mixologist who is married to Carrie Jones, uh, who's a journalist, and the two of them uh, work together to uh, put together content for Food and Wine. They wrote a book together, and um, John and I are, are friends. Uh, we've known each other for years. My uh, path comes. Uh, I spent ten years at Men's Health Magazine, um, and it was at that magazine where I. First started to talk about things like wine and spirits. Um, And since I left the magazine, I continued to do so, uh, wrote a couple of books on the subject and uh, started writing for several publications, uh, travel, spirits, lifestyle stuff.
1: So how how did you come to this incredible beat covering uh, spirits
2: and all good things? um i started you know first of all i was the managing editor of men's health and i had come out of um out of really the graphics world i spent a good deal of my career in graphics in design in production uh predominantly i was production director for many many years um in and around publications and there within i would always produce content but let's say around 2010 or so is when i really Got started doing spirits. I was doing some food blogging for uh, for Men's Health, and I don't eat red meat. And I realized very quickly that my career would be very short as a uh, as a food as a food writer um, just because of of my own my own dietary restrictions. Uh, but I drink everything, and I noticed that uh, there was um, an amazing cocktail revolution happening in 2010 uh it was hard not to notice um i could also not help notice that uh bourbon whiskey was was completely taking off and everybody was talking about it except men's health you may say that makes a lot of sense to health magazine but you know what we're also a, a lifestyle magazine and we know our guys drink and if they're going to drink we want them to drink well so basically um since we were talking a lot about wine uh, a lot about beer a little bit about wine and we weren't covering uh spirits and cocktails um I saw an enormous opportunity there uh to start to talk to our readers um about uh, about these things and to and to give them the opportunity to enjoy um to enjoy these drinks as well
0: in the wine world, there is a lot of talk about terroir. Um, So in your opinion, how important is terroir in the spirits world? And if there's any specific spirits category that embodies the tewa even more than others?
2: Hmm. You know, there's a great debate about terroir in wine as well as whiskey. And... Um, You know, the the answer lies really in who you ask. Um, Everybody has a different kind of opinion about it. Um, Here's what I will say. Uh, I was in Japan a couple of years ago um, with Suntory, and we had a great conversation about not so much terroir or where the... where where the, the the grains for whiskey for example would be grown but um but the effect of, of water source on the taste of whiskey and they have they have three different main distilleries uh Hakushu uh, excuse me Yamazaki being one Hakushu uh being another and uh they did a they they did a really cool test where they swapped water and and made the whiskey and they were saying that you know it, it was unbelievable how much how how much of a difference it made to make uh, the water made to make Yamazaki taste like like Hakushu and vice versa just because of the water, which is something that nobody ever really talks about. Um, and in terms of terroir coming out of the terroir coming out of the earth, you know, I'll be honest with you, I. Um, I I think there might be something to it, but you're also distilling that grain just down base to the to the basic alcohol and the surrounding congeners, right? Um, I'm a journalist. I'm not, you know, I'm not a whiskey maker, and many many whiskey makers swear by terroir and will show you terroir in their work and believe in it and other whiskey makers will tell you hey look we're bringing it down we're bringing it down to the alcohol molecule and its surrounding and its surrounding molecules and um and that would be that would be very very much diminished so they don't believe in it
1: uh let's circle back to uh some of the work that you've done you worked at uh, men's health for quite a while that you mentioned you've contributed to gear patrol and business publications like forbes So as a freelance writer, what's been most challenging for you during the pandemic? How has it affected the way you work and cover the this
2: beat? You know, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, Right before we shut down, um, I signed a book deal uh, to write a book. And the pandemic was the the perfect the perfect uh way to spend your time if you have a book to write because i i feel like i didn't miss anything because i would have been locked down anyway for for months for months and months and months um but where it did affect the actual work was this uh the the book that's coming out in the spring is called whiskey rebels i was really trying to get into um what makes craft whiskey craft whiskey and to and to get um to the bottom of the stories of these guys who have built these amazing distilleries um basically out of nothing and the plan was to visit all of them i mean i had a, i had 11 trips planned to go visit and to smell the distillery and to see it and to sit down with the people who make the whiskey and to connect with them and to get their stories and unfortunately um i had very scant opportunity to do that because uh for obvious reasons we got locked down and for me it made it i felt like it made um the whole project a lot more difficult because now i'm approaching people who don't necessarily know me uh on a phone on on the phone or on zoom and they don't know who i am and i don't know who they are and and i wasn't you know i wasn't in their distillery like getting the vibe and 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 getting an understanding of of what they've really created so it, it made it harder for me to get in there and to get that from for people to to find the essence of what their specific uh company is all about. So it it was challenging in that way, but I got there. We did it on the phone. <laughs> it took a long time. A lot more interviews than it should have, but but we got there.
0: You get the job done whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. We've we've pre-ordered our copy.
1: We're looking forward to it. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: So you expanded your passion for spirits by co-founding the John Barleycorn Awards, and you also serve as Director of Judging. So what was the inspiration for the awards and how did it start it? Tell us all about it.
2: Uh, I will do this as quickly as I can um, because it's a little bit of a long story, but uh, the John Barleycorn Awards was really started by my partner and the predominant owner of the awards. His name is Ed Dalheim. And Ed owns a company that does third-party evaluations in in several different areas, most most notably marketing. Uh, He owns the Marcom Awards, the Hermes Awards, awards that many people in the business have heard of. And while that's his bread and butter on the side, Ed's a whiskey geek. He's a bourbon geek, big time. And because of that, he thought it would be a really great idea to apply what he does in in the marketing world, for example, to the spirits world. So he wanted to start a whiskey competition. And through a mutual friend, uh, he was introduced to me. Uh, Ed is a wonderful person, and we really hit it off. And um, eventually I became a partner in the the company and kind of stayed on uh, as director of judging. The the Barleycorn Awards, it's an award program that is coming to you from the very spirits journalists who write about the spirits that that is who we are that's who the John Barleycorn Society is and for um people who for example take a very famous bourbon person like Fred Minnick for example um if you really kind of want to know what Fred Minnick thinks about your whiskey this would be a great um entry point for that and it, it's really you know I'm a I'm a journalist and it was up to me to to come up with kind of the, the hook for the competition And, you know, me and Ed were having a great conversation about it. And I was like, well, what do you think you want to do? And he's like, well, that's what I hired you for. You're the expert. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm not really an expert, like in whiskey, the way somebody who makes whiskey would be, you know, there, you know, as much as I know about, about spirits, there, there are people who have forgotten more than I know, of course, of course. So like, I'm, a, you know, I'm an industry expert. I'm not even really in the industry. I'm, I'm in the periphery of the industry, but I am in the journalism industry very much. So it was my idea to really go to what I know and to source people who I knew had great palate and were very influential in the spirits world. And I brought that amazing, talented crew together uh, to serve as our judging panel for this competition. And uh, we're in our second year now, and it's been really great.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. So just to show off a little bit, our agency won Spirits Marketer of the Year last year. So we are so honored. And we have a trophy in our office and beautifully displayed. And every day we look at it and as an inspiration. So thank you.
2: Well, congratulations. It was well You guys do unbelievable work.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: So, John, now back to uh, storytelling. So we'd like your opinion on what makes a good story. For example, how does a good story for men's health Differ from a good story from, let's say, Gear Patrol
0: or Forbes.com
1: or Forbes.com. Yeah. How how are they different when you pitch them? How do you conceive of them differently because they're different outlets?
2: Great question. Um, Each publication is going to have a point of view, if you will, an editorial point of view, and you need to cater to that point of view or the, you know the the editor you know really can't work with it so it's very important to know who you're writing for what their what their editorial point of view is when it comes to a publication like men's health it's all about service how do i work out better how can i improve my life it's about giving the readers something that they can um that they can take with them and 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 that they can hold dear to themselves to uh, to do something better now you, you know you're looking at something like Forbes, and that is a, it's a very different tact, okay it's it's what are the nuts and bolts here. It's a very business oriented uh, publication, though they do do a lot of lifestyle. Um, I get more into the business end um, when I write for Forbes. So doing a Forbes story, you know uh, lots of nuts and bolts and numbers and things like that is kind of the direction I'm going to take that.:
0: Let's get more specific. so what types of pitches? get your attention or sometimes you say no not for me
2: um it sounds really obvious but the pitches that are going to get me attention are the pitches that i look at and right away feel like like hey this is a story um, that i can use for x publication or y publication and um i think it's very important for um for publicity people uh communication specialists uh to know who the journalist is writing for and to pitch them in a way that um, that will help them get the attention of their editor. You know, if you, you know, if you send me 10 cocktail recipes, that's great, but I can't go to Forbes with that. Who am I going to go? Who am I going to with that? I can't go to men's health and be like, Oh, Hey, you know, this cognac has a really cool variation of a sidecar. Let's, let's run it." it. It doesn't help me. So, you know, unfortunately, um, I would probably move on. But if you give me something that, that, that's, um, that's new and recent and happening and business-focused, then you know, I'm like, hey, do I have, do I have something here that I, can, that I can bust out for Forbes that would be great for me, great for them, great for the reader? And those, those are the kind of things that I'm looking for.
0: So then um, looking ahead, and it's hard to predict anything because things are changing by the hour, but what types of stories will you be working on?
2: I have a book coming out in June that I just finished. So I I plan to be uh, promoting that uh, pretty, pretty heavily. Um, I'm hoping to, uh, to, you know, continue writing for the outlets that that I do, but I'd also love to pick up some more. I'd I'd love to pick up some more work and, and to, uh, and to do some other things. You know, I was really getting into travel writing before, um, uh, before the shutdown also, and obviously that just like flat out went away that was a huge thing um that was a huge thing that I was really gunning for um at the time. How long that's going to be on ice is very hard to tell. I doubt it's going to happen in twenty twenty one so I'm kind of recalibrating myse- myself myself and what i'm and what I'm going to do um but i think the uh I think the plan is to uh is to keep writing to com- to keep working on on my own brand and uh to pick up some new writing partners would be would be really cool coming into 2021
0: when you feel comfortable traveling internationally what country would you first visit for a distillery tour and why
2: it's a great question uh I think I, I mean, if I had, you know, look, I don't always get to pick and choose where I go, (laughs) but if I had to pick and choose a place in the world that is distillery heavy, I think I would have to go to Isla, Scotland. It obviously it's predominantly where, where peated scotch comes from. Uh, It is one of the most gorgeous places on the planet. And I would never give up an opportunity to go there. Uh, And distilleries are awesome too. I mean, it's just such a, a beautiful place in the world.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agree. Mike and I traveled to Isla uh, what, a couple of years ago. It was absolutely a dreamy place. I mean, it was so beautiful.
1: We were staying in Edinburgh and we did an overnight trip. It was quite a trek.
2: Yeah. Doesn't it feel like you went back, you know, 150 years in time just with... There's, there are so few people there, and it's so real. And there are golden eagles flying around, and there's deer everywhere, and it's just old and beautiful. And the sea, the sea, you know, the whole the whole seaside is just amazing.
1: It's one of the most unique places we've ever been.
0: Yeah, and actually, like you know, the internet the connection wasn't so great, but then he was like, "Who cares? Look at the ship. The smell, the ocean. It's a beautiful place. Forget about the phone." Yes.
2: And the whiskey. Don't forget oh, the whiskey. Don't yes. forget whiskey, the whiskey. <laughs> it's, a, it's certainly a great place to unplug.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's go back to your first book, which is one of my favorite. So The Modern Gentleman, The Guide to Best Food, Drinks and Accessories. So as you know, John, a lot of people are spending more time at home and more people are reading and they're looking for a good read. So can you tell us why our listeners go and grab your book and read it?
2: Yes, absolutely so i approached I approached this book a very, very specific way um a very men's health way, if you will, because it's all about it's all about service uh, first of all, the name of the book is the modern gentleman it was really it was really originally conceived. Of to be written for uh, you know young guys, let's say coming out of college, okay. And uh, the, the reality is anybody can anybody can read this book. And I wish I had this book when I was that age, because like I say in the book, you know I I, I drank you know wine out of a box till I was thirty three years old because I literally didn't know I I literally didn't know know any better, okay. But I was drinking wine, and that brings me to the point of this book. The, um, there are fifteen chapters in this in in this book uh short chapters, and each one um introduces you uh, to a category of food or drink that we um enjoy every day and it 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 's kind of an entry point into the category, so you learn about for example whiskey wine beer, hot sauce cigars and I am of the opinion that if you understand not only what you're eating, but where it comes from and, and, um, the craftsman and the craft that it is, that, that is involved in bringing it to your plate. You will enjoy that plate of food or that cocktail or that whiskey or that glass of wine even more. Hopefully you'll take advice in the book. Hopefully you'll have, you know, a lot of new stuff to talk about, um, about with, with friends, great coffee, uh, you know, great coffee conversation. Um, but really it's a learning tool um eight cocktails that every guy should know like look, if you know if you know how to make a manhattan if you know how to make a martini if you know how to make an old fashioned if you know how to make you know a negroni if you know how to make the basic drinks you're going to be a hit at the party at every for the rest of your life you know
1: this is it's really like a cheat sheet for life
2: yeah for for food and drink and enjoying – enjoying um, The finer things. The finer uh, – yeah, or a deeper understanding of things we already
0: enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great gifting item. So either yeah, – a good for stock holiday- and stuffer. Yeah. Excellent <laughs> stock and stuffer, yeah. You know, we,
1: we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we're optimistic about our industry. We know it's resilient. We know it's going to bounce back. So we'd like to know, you know, in your opinion, what kinds of innovations – are you seeing in the spirits industry that are going to take hospitality forward?
2: You know, I wish I had an easy answer for that. Um, you know, in, you know, in the mixology world, um, it's such a, it's such a personal thing. You know, what, what bartenders do, for example, is they, they bring people together and they're kind of like a ringleader. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what they do. They're combining their their, their Mixology skills with their with their personality, with their ability to to manage a crowd and create a vibe in room, and to help create a vibe in room. Um, and unfortunately, I just I just don't see any any way of doing of of recreating that without us getting out of the, the predicament that world you know everybody in the world is in is in right now. However, um, just the amazing um, just the amazing creativity and innovation that everybody has racked their brains to do in order to survive and to keep, and to keep the love alive and to keep the light lit, if if you will, has, has been amazing from, you know, awesome cocktails to, you know, to go, um, uh, to, um, you know, podcasts and, and, uh, bringing, uh, bringing people ideas to, uh, to mix at home. I mean, innovations in in restaurants is, you know, it's like, what are we doing? We're doing, we're doing plexiglass, we're doing the best we can, we're keeping social distancing alive, we're, you know, keeping people as safe as we possibly can. And in most cases, if you, if those protocols are followed, um, things are going to be fine. I find that in a lot of cases, those protocols are not followed. And that's, and that's where we've, we've had a, had a lot of issues. You know, I mean, you see, you see people building these massive things outside in the city, in New York City, Uh, where I live, where people can sit down and eat and they're investing in heat lamps and we're supposed to get a foot of snow and everybody has to physically pack those things up and get them off the sidewalk so they can be cleared. What a disaster. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a horrible situation. Couldn't couldn't come at
1: a worse time. All right. And now for the listener question segment of our podcast, we have a question from Harrison Kahn, vice president of marketing of Caledonia Spirits, which produces Bar Hill Gin in Vermont. He asks, What will it take for American gin to achieve a leadership position in the global spirits landscape?
2: American gin in the global spirits landscape. Well, I'll tell you what, um, the, um, you know, the, the recent gin movement revolves a lot around what I call new school gin. Okay, you have a London drive. Right. So your London dry gin, very juniper forward, very crisp, very delicious, but very much anchored in the idea of, of this is a London dry. It's not an American gin. You know, it's it's from the United Kingdom or, or at least it's it's a, at least that's the perception. Uh, a london dry does not have to be from uh the uk but that's the that's the perception so here's where innovation comes in right because you look at you look at american and 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 other other gin companies and 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 how did how you know like what have they done to make gin popular again and to make gin interesting again it's like well they put innovations on it why does it have to be so juniper forward throwing out the rule book and creating and creating your own flavors you know um uh, what is it, like Turkish rose and, and cucumber and raspberry forward and bringing in new botanicals to create new exciting things, giving mixologists, giving bartenders tools to create uh, new flavors. Even if it's just like subtle nuances, um, it's exciting for them. It's exciting for the drinker. And I I see it definitely with, with craft whiskey, how much innovation has had an impact. And I think that the American um and and through that craft movement certainly um uh, gin comes with that and i think um that it takes time for people to start to um you know develop a idea of what perhaps an an american gin might might look and taste like um, the way you would might associate a uh, a London Dry gin or an Old Tom gin or or something like that, which would be sweeter, of course. So when I say Old Tom, it, I know I, I expect it to be sweet. When I say London Dry, I expect it to be juniper forward and dry and crisp. When I say American, what do I expect to be in that glass? Okay, right. and I think that once we get to that place, then American gin as a category. Will 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 be a thing, Um, and in the meantime, we just have to be happy with uh, the idea that gin has has really blossomed, and because people are thinking out of the box, we now have so many amazing gins that are not just based on the idea of London Dry.
1: All right. So, parting question: Where can our listeners find you, and what's the best way to send pitches to you?
2: Um, First of all, you can check out my stuff on Instagram. It's John Just Rome's all one word and that's really kind of a journey through my uh th- through uh my my spirits world um or you just email me it's john mccarthy 8628 at gmail if you want to pitch me anything um happy to hear from you just uh let me know that um that you heard about this from hannah's podcast Aww, thank you and we'll start a conversation absolutely
0: so thanks, John. It's been great. We hope to see you soon and share a dream or two sometime very soon.
2: I hope so, guys. Thanks again.
0: Great. Thanks, Alrighty. John. Talk Alrighty. to right. you soon. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. See Bye. you Bye. Right so great to chat with John. And now I am dreaming of Scotland. Keep in mind what types of stories John is looking for and reach out. And of course, mention that you heard him on our podcast.
1: Now, before we announce next week's media guest, we'd like to share our weekly HLC Innovation Report from our agency, Hanalee Communications. It spotlights five game changers, fearless leaders, and exciting trends that are moving hospitality forward. Let's get started. Number one, what we're reading this week, Spirits of Latin America. A Celebration of Culture and Cocktails with 100 Recipes by Ivy Mix. Check out at HLC Book Media on Instagram for our full interview on how Ivy and 10 Speed Press brought her compelling book to life. Number two, who we are honoring this week. Karen Newman, a freelance writer and editor of Wine Enthusiast Magazine, Bloomberg and Punch, and also the author of many beloved cocktail books, including Cocktails with a Twist, Nightcap, and more. Kara's inspiring quote is, if it was easy, everyone would do it. We celebrate pioneering women via our digital channels. So check out Hanaleecommunications.com for over 270 women's words of wisdom.
0: Number three, what we are celebrating this week, the canned cocktail company. Kelly Ravison, a 20-year industry expert, has helped over 100 bars in New York City and beyond by offering a cocktail canning service during these very challenging times. Popular canned cocktails include gin and tonics, negronis, old fashions, margaritas, and more. Now, drink enthusiasts can enjoy these craft cocktails from their favorite bars at home.
1: Number four, what podcast we're listening to this week? The Speakeasy, hosted by Southern Teague, Damon Bolte, and Greg Benson. They recently interviewed Jordis Unga, the multi-talented general manager of Katana Kitten in New York City. They talked about her Grammy Award winning music career, how she caught the hospitality bug early on from her family, and later pivoted from one kind of performing to another. Be sure to give it a listen to hear about her colorful career journey.
0: Number five, who's inspiring us this week? Miracle Manning. This beautiful little girl held a sign saying, Save my daddy's business at a recent rally in Times Square where she accompanied her dad, Chris Manning. Organized by the New York City Hospitality Alliance and the New York State Latino Restaurant, Bar, and Lounge Association, the rally was a plea for Congress to pass the Restaurants Act. We are keeping our fingers crossed.
1: Stay tuned for next week's Innovation Report.
0: We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline for our upcoming episodes. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues. In our next
1: episode, we chat with Jonah Flicker, a freelance writer who covers spirits, travel, food, and lifestyle. His work has appeared in Esquire, Departures, Maxim, Rob Report, USA Today, and many others.
0: See you next week. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.